last year Tell me what I missed Cause I fear That it's coming back up again Must be something I ate Some song, some show, some hate in the game free throws and when it ends he wants to make the sequel he has another chance he feels like he can thank you Lord God my joy my peace my faith see the devil mm. he learns from your mistakes even if you don't That's how he keeps you in cycles Oh, we bless your name this morning You're worthy Hallelujah Glory to your name, God Oh, we bless you this morning Hallelujah Good morning, good morning. Thank God for another beautiful day, another Empower Me with the Word with Evangelist Nicole Corder. We just thank God for those who are on the line, and we thank him for those who will come back and listen again on iTunes and those that will be on the archives. Father, we just bless your name for all that you have done, for allowing us to wake up this morning, Lord. For allowing us, Lord God, to choose to serve you early in the morning, for you to be the first thing on our minds, Lord. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to hear your word, to digest your word, oh God, to utilize our word, the word in our lives. Lord, we thank you for the woman of God who is bringing forth the bread of life this morning. Lord, we thank you that our minds will be stayed on you that we are whole, God, that we are healed, that we are walking in the fullness of joy. Father, we thank you that we can, in fact, take on the assignment that you placed at our hands with a spirit of joy and excellence. Lord, we thank you that everyone, within the sound of my voice, Lord God, will seize the day, seize the day to make a difference in someone else's life. Seize the day, Lord God, to take advantage of every opportunity that you give unto us, Lord. And we just give you glory. We thank you that we don't miss an opportunity to share of your goodness with someone, to share of your love, to tell our testimony. Oh, God, we thank you for power. We thank you for love. And we thank you for a sound mind in the name of Jesus. Amen. And amen. Good morning, woman of God. Amen. Good morning. Good morning. It is an awesome day. We thank God for waking us up. Thank him for another opportunity to hear from him. I'm going to be coming from Psalm 37 today. I won't read it in its entirety. Um, Everybody can do that at their leisure. It is a familiar passage. But there are some things that I want to pull from it. Um, just for understanding's sake, to help us to be all that God 
has caused us to be. Because there's some things that we do and some things that we say that we need to change now. Um, so if we look at Psalm 37, beginning at verse 1, it says, Do not fret because of evildoers. And I'm reading the New King James Version. Nor be envious of the workers of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Uh, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the new day. And then I want to move down. Verse 23, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. I just want to talk for a few minutes, and even though I'm looking at this entire passage, um, just a, a, a couple of nuggets this morning that the Lord had laid on my heart. Check your thermostat. Check your thermostat. I'm finding that we feel, especially if you're in ministry, if God has called you to any level of ministry, walk in that. Whether it is because the scripture talks about, you know, if you're a preacher, you've got to preach in season and out of season. Sometimes the atmosphere isn't right for what you need to do. And what I say by that is people may not always accept you. People may not always be ready to hear that which God has given to you. But you need to check your thermostat first. If God has ordered your steps, then you need to walk there. Let me give you an example. My husband and I, we go out to dinner a lot. I'm not really the cook. He is. We like to go to Red Lobster. And I don't know when the last time you went to Red Lobster, but it's been a while, so it's probably time for us to go back. We go to Red Lobster, and when the waitress comes or the waiter comes, they always show up, and they tell us what's on the menu. They give us the special. They tell us what's on the menu. And a lot of times they make suggestions as to what they think we'll like. Special, you may like this. Okay. I hear them. But I like catfish. Now, I don't know if you know this. Catfish is not on the menu at Red Lobster. I mean, unless they put it back on there, it's not on the menu. But I know that it's available. So after she goes through her spill, or he goes through his field, tells me what's available, and makes a suggestion as to what they think I want, I order what I want. I tell them I want the catfish. I tell them what size I want, how I want to cook, because when I came there, I knew what I wanted when I got there. I sat down at the table, and I knew what I wanted when I got there. So no matter what they said, I came for what I, what I wanted. This is what I'm trying to tell you. Some of us are so excited to be at the table that we're accepting what's on the menu, and that might not be. If he say you're a praise and worship leader, don't get to the table and be something else because that's what they offer you. Don't be so excited to have a seat at the table that you just accept what's offered. When you know you can ask for something else, you know it's available because God already told you. Check your thermostat. If the atmosphere has to be a certain way, for you to flow in strength, if that controls the flow and the strength of your anointing, then you need to search yourself. You can't pray like you pray unless it's a room full of people. Something is wrong. You can't speak life to a dead situation unless you got a microphone and a robe on. 
something is wrong. Search yourself. If you've got to wait for people to be stirred up through praise and worship before you set the atmosphere, something is wrong. Search yourself. If you are prophetic and God has caused you to prophesy and, and you can't prophesy unless the worship team is going on and on, something is wrong. You set the atmosphere. You don't allow the atmosphere to operate how you flow, to, 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 to um, control how you flow. It is the anointing that does that, not the atmosphere. So if I'm a praise and worship leader, I need to be able to change the atmosphere when I go into a house. And I begin to sing praises unto God because I'm ministering to God. He has the responsibility to minister to the people. We say that all the time, and we just want to come in here and minister to the people. But honestly, you're ministering to God, and God ministers to the people. And how do you expect God to do something to them that he's not accustomed to you doing to him? Because when I sing at home by myself, it's me and God. There's no audience. God, I'm wanting you to get the glory so that when I get there, what I'm doing is inviting other people to worship God with me. But I'm inviting them to do what I've already done at the house. It's my responsibility to shift the atmosphere because of the mantle that's on my life. It is not my responsibility to wait until it seems ripe to do what God has called me to do. I'm not that excited to be at the table that I just do what they tell me to do. My steps are ordered by the Lord. That's what verse 23 says. I commit my way to him, and he, and, and, and he directs my steps. You control the atmosphere. If you're a preacher, preach good, unless it's, it's a couple hundred people, or in our, I mean in our city, and our region, 40, 50 people, and that's when your anointing serves, you might want to check that. You might want to check that. Because you ought to be able to preach the same for one as you do for a thousand. And I sit under a pastor who does just that. Because the word of God is important. The word of God is powerful all by itself. And so I don't have to have 50 people. And people don't have to be screaming and shouting and hollering for the word of God to go forth. Because sometimes what he gives my mouth to say is not what people want to hear. But I have to obey. I can't change the message when I get there because of the suits they got on, or because of who's in the, uh, because of who's in the uh, room. I went to a church one time, and, and a pastor was talking, and he said something that was off kilter. Always be mindful when you speak. Speak from what God said, and it was shade, and let's just call it what it is. And he looked at me, and then he said, "Oh, I didn't know who would be here." God never tells you who's going to be there when He gives you a message. Because that's not your business, nor is it your responsibility to tailor your message, the message that God gives you to who's in the room. God says, say this. This is what I want you to say. And when you get to wherever you are, this is what you say, unless the Lord changes it when you get there. There have been times when that has happened. But for the most part, when God gives it to you to say, that's what you say. It's not based on who's there. Check your thermostat. We need to be at the place now where we can walk into a dead church and, and resurrect it. I was talking to a, a friend of mine um, the other night, and we were talking about how, you know, the resurrection can only come 
when there's been a death. And the reason that God can't get the, the, the fullness out of our lives, the reason that he can't resurrect himself through us the way he wants to, the way we were created for him to, is because we won't die. It's because we won't die. There is a there is a need for death in this in this arena. There's a need for death in this town. There's a need for a death in this generation. And I'm not talking about a physical death. I'm talking about a spiritual death. We need to die to our flesh. We do so much. We are so wonderful in church and then get on Facebook and go off on everybody because we're not. person dies and they take your body to the funeral home, the funeral home dresses you. The funeral home does your hair. They put your makeup on and they place you in a box. And you don't move once you place there. Your body obeys what the funeral director does. God has to be the same way. You have to be just like that dead person. When God positions you, you don't move. When people look over in that casket, they may laugh. They may cry. They may say a whole lot of stuff. But when is the last time you heard a dead person get up and say it's something in response to what somebody said when they were being viewed? They don't. They don't. We have to be dead just like that. That God, no matter what they say, no matter how they act, I got to be dead to my emotions, which means I can't let everything hurt my feelings, which means I can't wear my feelings on my sleeve. It doesn't mean that I can't be emotional. I have to be emotional. Jesus was compassionate. He had emotions. But I have to be dead to what's going on around me so that I can be the, be and, and operate the way God wants me to be. There are things that go on on my job I have to be dead to. There are things that go on in our churches. We have to be dead to. We get right on Facebook and start talking about our haters. Psalm 23 speaks about that too, about the wicked and how we need to ignore the wicked. And they're going to be cut down. And we spend so much time worrying about who hates us. And then we have this, I'm going to let my haters be my motivators. Let me send the devil on the run. If hate is your motivation, then you should stop doing what you're doing. Your motivation is God. You should never be motivated by hate or haters. I'm motivated by the Spirit of God. I'm motivated by the Holy Ghost. I'm motivated by God himself. I'm not motivated because you hate me. That's not where I get my fuel from. That's why last week we talked about being plugged in and not connected. Something is wrong if I'm only doing this because I know you hate me doing it. Haters are not my motivators. The Bible said he was going to prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies anyway, so I don't have to do anything about that. All I have to do is walk in the things of God. Stop telling people I'm motivated by hate. Girl, I'm just doing that because my, my haters are my motivators. No, they're not. No, they're not. Then why do we spend so much time highlighting how we have haters? What happened to the ministry of reconciliation? Why don't you want people to come into the house of God? Because if people are hating on you like that, if people have that kind of anger, then they are enemies of God. Why do you want people to be on the outside of the will of God? I say try. Try to have peace with somebody who's a hater so now they can be a believer. So now they can be a lover. Why spend so much time so excited about who's hating on you? Truth be told, everybody that's telling you the truth isn't hating on you. But all of us are going to have enemies. Anytime you're doing the work for God, you're going to have enemies, but you shouldn't be so focused there. Your focus is, okay, God, use me. 
even in this situation, even around people that I know hate me, God, it's about you. Jesus died for a bunch of people who hate him. Right now, today, the life that we live is because Jesus died for us. And it says that while we were yet sinners, that means we hated God. That means we were enemies of God. While we were yet sinners, he died for us. He died for me, and I was a hater. When is the last time you sacrificed and you died? There's that word again. You died because of your hater. What do I mean by that? What do I mean by that? Let me help you. Whatever you said, sweetie, whatever you did, no matter how you're trying to throw rocks, and I'm going to continue to pray. I'm going to intercede on, on, on your behalf. I had a young man at work, and we were talking about a particular individual, and I said, I just want to pray. I want to keep praying. And he said, no. You know, you get to a point, I, 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 I just don't think there's any hope. There's always hope. I'm not going to pray anymore because I don't believe that there's any hope. What if God had decided there was no hope for me? Even after I gave my life to the Lord, I've messed up. I've been saved since I was 14, and I've messed up a whole lot between 14 and 48. What if the Lord decided there was no hope for me? What if somebody stopped praying for me? What if somebody stopped speaking life to me? What if somebody stopped believing in me? Because my attitude set the atmosphere, and they had a thermostat that said, oh, I can't talk to her. Check your thermostat. Can you go into a church and speak the word of God? Can you go into a room and speak the word of God? Can you go around your family members? Can you go to the family reunion and still be who God called you to be? Or do you have to conform to what's going on because you're ashamed to let your family know you're not about to. Not when you set your own thermostat. You go in and you shift the atmosphere. We need to shift the atmosphere. Don't worry about whether people roll their eyes at you. Your anointing isn't based on that. And then you have to pray. See, and the only way that you can do this successfully is pray for God to give you the character that can handle the weight of your destiny. God, if you give me character to handle what you've given me to carry. Sometimes we want a mantle that's too great and God knows we don't have the character to handle it. That's why he won't give it to us. That's why you can't be the first lady because you can't trust nobody else talking to your man. You're not going to be the first lady because you've got too many issues. If somebody come in and, they, and you think they look better than you and they need prayer and they want to talk to your husband, and instead of you going in there with him and being right, you got an attitude. You're not going to be the first lady. you got to be able to handle some stuff. There's a weight in that. There's some character that's attached to that weight. If you're the praise and worship leader and you got a bad attitude or something happens and now you can't flow, you can't worship God, you don't have a, you don't have a character to handle the weight. And, and my God, if you, if you call to preach the gospel, you got to do that in and out of season. You're not going to always feel like it. You're not going to always say what you want to say because guess what? This ain't about you anyway. I sometimes quander, and I'm, 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 I'm cautious not to put my mouth on people, but I do have questions. I never post on Facebook what I'm getting ready to preach. I'm getting ready to talk about this because if I'm getting ready to do it, then I haven't left room for God. You never let the enemy know what you're doing. You never announce your moves. You move in silence. So if I'm going to a church to preach, I don't announce what I'm preaching until I get there because the enemy is always at work. This is what we're going to talk about because here's the other side of it. How do I really know? I know what I've studied, but I don't know what God is going to say through me until I show up. That's just a nugget. That's how I do it. Preachers do however they want. 
but I, I, I don't. And I sit up under pastor, and, and unless he's doing a sermon series, he never says, well, this is what we're going to talk about. Unless we're in a series and we know, but even though we know the series title, we don't know the content. I'm always cautious because I don't ever want to make my moves out loud and let the enemy know what I'm doing. I want to make sure that when I show up, I've got it in my arsenal and I'm obeying God. And nobody knows what's coming because God is coming in. And sometimes he wants to annihilate the atmosphere. You don't let the enemy know what moves you're making. You just show up and make your move. Bernie Mac used to say, bust move. You show up and then you bust a move. I encourage you to check your atmosphere. Check your thermostat. I encourage you not to be so excited to be at the table that you take what they offer, that you just decide, I'm just going to take what's on the menu. No. What God has for you, he's created. It's not on the menu. There's something special that God wants you to do. Your ministry might not be like somebody else's. They got what was on the menu. God has something special for you. Don't be so excited to get that. And stop allowing your haters to be your motivators. Be motivated by love. Be motivated by compassion. Be motivated by the anointing that's on your life. That should be the only thing that motivates you. And most of all, in this season and right now in this time, learn to die. Learn to die to your feelings. Learn to die to your emotions. Learn to die to your human reasons. Let God order your steps. Die in your flesh so that God can be resurrected. You ready for a resurrection? You got to die. Ask God to help you with all of these things. Lord, don't let me be where I'm moved by the atmosphere. Let me change the atmosphere. Don't let the people that hate me cause me to want to do this. Let me do it because you love me and you've called me to do this. Don't let me be so excited that I take whatever they offer me when that may not be what you have for me because every door is not a God door. Stop trying to walk in all these doors that God may not have told you you need to go in and then die. Die. Sometimes you have to die to your flesh, to your emotions, to how you feel about it, you have to die so Christ can be resurrected. I pray that you're blessed, and I pray that you allow this word to to uh, penetrate your heart. I know that we don't always say what, what, you know, I don't always say the cute stuff, the, the jump and shout and stuff. But, again, God is dealing with character. And if you want to be effective, this is what you have to do. And so I pray, I challenge you this week. All of these things are our challenge. It's a challenge for me. But I pray that you allow the word to challenge you. I pray that you allow it to penetrate you. But I pray that you allow it to cause you to be a better ambassador for Christ, a better representative for him. And we thank God in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen. What a word. Character Building 101, uh, to God be the glory for this word, for indeed it is something that we need to definitely look at, to to, uh, ponder, go to the Lord about, and allow him to change us. I love it, I love it. There cannot be a resurrection without a death. Thank you, woman of God. We speak life to you, to your family to your ministry, to your finances, to your body. In Jesus' name, we thank God for what he's doing through you, and we are excited each time that we have the opportunity to hear how the Lord is utilizing your gifts, your anointed, 
but most of all your submissiveness to him, to listen to him and to bring the word just as he has given it unto you. To God be the glory for the things that he has done. Be encouraged, but most of all, allow the God of all creation, who is your Father, to make you whole. Have an awesome day. Amen, amen, and amen.